Welcome to Brightline Living, the official podcast of Brightline Eating, where we focus on living a life free from food obsession and filled with peace and unstoppability. Each week, Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Brightline Eating, will cover topics ranging from food addiction to fascinating science and how to live a bright life. Now here's Susan with the audio version of this week's blog. Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So I just shot a vlog about um, someone writing a letter to their favorite binge food and breaking up with them, divorcing them their favorite binge food. And in the comments down below that vlog, now you can see the comments if you go to brightlineeating.com and you scroll down to the bottom of the page of each vlog, there's comments down there. And um, someone wrote a comment, his name was James, and he said, I have so much faith in Brightline Eating and I wanted to offer everyone doing Brightline Eating this analogy, which is that we need to think of our cravings from the perspective of an outsider that we're witnessing so that we're a witness to our cravings as opposed to being a victim of them. And he said, the analogy is that when you're walking down the street, you see all kinds of things. You see people, you see cars, you see bicycles, you see trains going on the train tracks as you're walking. And he said, if you stay alert and aware you can witness them. Any one of those things could be dangerous or even potentially fatal if you're not paying attention. But when you witness them, you can react appropriately. You can avoid them. You can mind yourself and and, uh, manage yourself maneuvering down the street. And he said, similarly, we need to watch our cravings ebb and flow and stay alert and stay aware and separate from them, witnessing them. And I thought that was such a brilliant suggestion. And I want to, first of all, say, James, thank you so much for that comment below that vlog. Um, I'm so grateful that I read that. And there's a couple things about James's suggestion that I think are particularly astute. So first of all, when we witness a craving, it involves externalizing it to some degree, just like his analogy of, you know, watching cars and other people and bicycles on the street. They're outside of us. They're outside of us. And it reminds me of the te- this technique that this psychoanalyst named Fritz Perls used to use. He was a psychiatrist born in Germany, and he actually coined the term gestalt therapy. It was uh, the term that he came up with to refer to the type of psychoanalysis that he and his wife had developed in the 1940s and 50s. And as he did psychoanalysis with people, Fritz Perls would use what's become affectionately known as the empty chair technique. What he would do is often in a group therapy setting, but it could be done in individual therapy too, he would have someone bring their chair kind of into the middle like they were in the hot seat. And then he would have them bring an empty chair to sit right next to them as well. And he would have them put some aspect of themselves, whether it was uh, someone in his in their life that they were disagreeing with or a, a disenfranchised 
repressed or uh, tortured, difficult sort of part of themselves into the chair. And he would say, now speak as if you're that. So maybe it would be an emotion. And he would say, put your anger into the chair. And now you sit in the chair and speak as your anger. What does your anger have to say? And then he would say, come now, come back to this chair and speak in the response to that anger. Um, so he would get the person having a dialogue with themselves, but sitting in different chairs to represent the different entities in the conversation. So I was thinking about how the empty chair technique could be used when you're having a really intense craving, like a really intense craving. You may notice that this approach, the empty chair technique, is like a precursor to parts work, right? Do you see that? That you're externalizing this aspect of yourself and giving it a voice as if it's a real legitimate part of you. So if you were to sit there and put your craving in the chair next to you, and then you yourself switch over into that chair and then speak as your craving, what would your craving say? And as the craving starts to give voice to what it wants and how it feels and what it's imagining will happen if it doesn't get what it wants and needs and what it's afraid of and and how the, the desperation for this food feels, then after it said its peace, this craving has said its peace, come back and sit in the other chair and then speak as the part of you that's responding to that craving, the part of you, maybe it's a food manager part, a food controller part that's saying, no, I don't want to eat that stuff. I'm doing bright line eating. I'm doing well. I want to stick with this. I know what happens when I eat those foods. You know, uh, I know how I'll feel afterwards. I know the feeling of feeling bloated and um, just disgusted with myself and, and exhausted and not wanting to get up and put on clothes and go to work in the morning and all the things, right? Uh, and then go back and talk as the craving. Sit in the other chair again and say, yeah, but I feel like I need that food. And if I don't get it, it's just I'm going to want it worse and worse. And try sitting in these alternate chairs and giving voice to these different perspectives. What tip typically happens with the empty chair technique is some sort of awareness and integration comes after giving both aspects of yourself full voice full voice. So that's the one thing I wanted to point out about James's comment is that there's a long history in psychology of externalizing these aspects of ourselves. The idea of taking a craving and putting it outside yourself and then watching it like you would watch cars in the road to, so that you don't walk into them. It's a brilliant suggestion and there's a long history in psychology of suggesting that people do that. The other thing I wanted to point out about James's comment is he said it's important that we watch our cravings as they ebb and flow. That is critical. The thing is that cravings do ebb and flow and when we're in the midst of them, it feels like they won't. It feels like they've come to roost and until we indulge the craving, we will never escape their torture that we will just keep wanting and wanting and that the want will build up to the point where we can't stand it anymore and there's no way out except to give in. But that's not accurate. What happens is that every strong, intense urge or emotion passes. All of them. They all pass. Guaranteed. They pass. They pass. I promise. They pass. For sure. 
that's just the way the mind, the body, the psyche works. It ebbs and it flows. And believing, knowing, understanding with conviction that it will pass is one of the keys to making it through. Research shows that drug and alcohol addicts coming out of rehab um, are likely to use or not use based on the approach that they have mentally to cravings. If they believe that cravings won't go away until they're indulged, shocker, they tend to relapse, those folks, right? If they believe that cravings will go away on their own, those folks are a lot less likely to relapse. So I just wanted to point out that notion that a craving will ebb and then it will flow is really important to understand. And so I invite you to ask yourself, what's your belief about your food cravings? Do you believe that this is how I used to believe when I was really trapped in the food and I wasn't getting out of it. I was binging in cycles and binging and binging. I did believe that when a craving would start, it would build up to the point where I had no option but to indulge it. And today I don't believe that. Today I understand that cravings absolutely pass. Everything passes. Everything passes, especially urges and emotions. They all pass. They're just transient states of brain and body that absolutely pass. So thank you, James, for that brilliant comment beneath the last vlog. I do read the comments below the vlog. If you want to leave one, you just scroll down to the bottom. If you're at brightlineeating.com, if you're not at brightlineeating.com, just go to brightlineeating.com. That's where you can leave a comment. And I so appreciate you. That's the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Brightline Living. Please post a review and subscribe to our channel. Interested in learning more about Brightline Eating? Visit ble.life slash podcast to find out more. ble.life slash podcast. Have a bright day.